What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning, and as always, I am joined by my friend and co-host in Ohio, the great state of Ohio, Patrick Mayhorn. What's going on, man? I've been doing some um, some Big J journalism, which is probably surprising to people who have not read my work but just listened to this podcast. Um, that I can't quite talk about in detail yet, but I'm doing well. It's, it's been it's been kind of a, a hectic week. Uh, we got a big game coming up this Saturday, and looking forward to to talking about that, talking about the whole slate of games, and uh, maybe taking a little bit of a break from the Big J journalism. Massive slate of games this week, and probably the biggest one is the one that we're going to talk about and probably get a heart attack from, and that is Ohio State playing Penn State on the road in Happy Valley. Top 10 showdown going to be the night game on ABC. I think game day is in Happy Valley for this game. Before we get into this year's game, this rivalry for me, I think, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know if there's like a stronger rivalry, not just from the fact that these two teams and programs play each other well, but these two fan bases really hate each other. (laughs) And... We talk all the time about Michigan, and you hear a lot about how Ohio State fans and Michigan fans, despite all the dirt slung back and forth, respect each other. And I don't even really know how true that is these days now, but there just is not any sort of good blood between Ohio (laughs) State fans and Penn State fans. And this is always my favorite game because I hate Penn State. And this is always one where it, it just feels like it's been put on an elevated platform in recent years. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Penn State game pretty consistently over the last, I mean, really since they joined the Big Ten, even they, they had a couple of down years when there there was the scandal and, and Joe Paterno was out um, and Bill O'Brien wasn't, I mean, he was put in a pretty impossible situation, but uh, for the most part, Penn State has been very, very good since they joined the Big Ten. And I think the main cause of this developing into a rivalry game, which it is, um, I think there are some Buckeye fans that, that try to pretend that it isn't a rivalry game and that they're somehow above Penn State. Uh, Penn State's a better program than Michigan right now also. Um, <laughs> so Strong yeah, agree. Yeah, but um, you know when you play – a team every single year like Ohio State and Penn State have they've always played each other since Penn State's been in the Big 10 they've been in the same division since division started and when that team is so good every year and your team is so good every year you really start to develop a hatred for that team because they can ruin your season a lot both ways Ohio State has ruined a lot of Penn State's seasons Penn State has ruined a lot of Ohio State's seasons that's that's how elite matchups like this work and I think that it really has developed into to something that, uh, while it'll never have the, the historical relevance of Ohio State-Michigan, it certainly has the anchor of it. I, I don't think it's as much with the players. The players during Ohio State-Michigan are actively against each other. <laughs> we've, we've seen some fights in years past. But fan base-wise, environment-wise, at those games, I, I wrote an article about how terrifying happy valley is when ohio state comes to town because it's always a night game it's always a whiteout it's a big deal it's a really big deal for the players it's a big deal for the fans and it it is i mean it has all the feelings of a a college football rivalry it's just it's more of a result of on the field production than it is anything off the field historically speaking and there are i mean there are tons of rivalries like that and i think that that's kind of what makes it so special is how good both teams have been so consistently What's your favorite Penn State memory? Probably, there are there are quite a few that, that would stand out. I think the the blowout win in was that 2013 when they won like 63-14 over Penn State and Braxton Miller ran for like eight million yards. That one was fun. I, I think last year's fourth quarter was, is is very high up there for me. Coming back from down I think it was like two possessions in in a quarter there was the blocked punt JT Barrett going 14 for 14 and becoming a Heisman contender for exactly one week before the Iowa game hit that just that comeback that touchdown pass to Marcus Ball was I I think as excited as I've been as a Buckeye fan for really any game even going back to the 2014 national title run 
because those games didn't really end like that game did. And it was just, it was a really exciting moment. It was a really great feeling to, to kind of, uh, you know, get the Penn State monkey off your back a little bit because Penn State had won the year before and it was, it was a big deal. And we thought at that time that the 2017 team could be a playoff contender and that felt like a turning point for them and it didn't end up being but at the time it was really really exciting so I think that that's probably my number one somebody will have to fact check me on this but I'm pretty sure Dontre Wilson put up 85% of his career stats in that 2013 <laughs> that was an ass whooping that one's definitely low-key high up on the list but I- I'm with you last year's was pretty awesome I actually watched the fourth quarter or the second half last night and they were down 35 20 with 1139 left Seemed like there was no hope in that game. And JT Barrett, the spirit of Dwayne Haskins, was in JT Barrett in that fourth quarter. He made some unbelievable throws, stuff that we hadn't seen from him since really his freshman season. And I forgot that Penn State was ranked second in that game. That was, I think Ohio State was sixth. So it was pretty much a top five matchup. And from the jump, from the kick return, from Barkley to start it off, until the end of the game when the defensive line just put him in the dirt. That was a really great game, so I'm with you. I think that one is great. And low-key, 2009, after they had lost in 2008 when Terrell Pryor fumbled, and it was his first time going back to Pennsylvania, and he threw that like 80-yard touchdown pass to Devere Posey. That was a really good one. That shut a lot of Penn State fans up. But really any Ohio State-Penn State game, is super fun even the 2014 overtime one there's just always seems to be something in this series and this year we'll we'll talk about what we think is going to happen and we might as well do that right now my overall big picture view of this game I I think has changed a little bit since the offseason I don't think Penn State there's there's not as much clarity as probably I thought we would have with them four games into the season and Ohio State looks a little bit different than we thought they might be heading into the season with just how good Dwayne Haskins has been. But what what's your initial read on this game, and what do you think some of the key things are that are going to decide it? Well, you're right. Penn State has not had a great start to the season. They you know they almost lost to Appalachian State in Week One. That was a that was a really surprising outcome. I mean, Appalachian State's very good, but still, I mean. Penn State probably shouldn't be losing that game. And this year, it seems like they're putting things together, but they're they're still trying to learn on the fly. It's a really young team. They've got a young offense in general around uh, Trace McSorley, and it's really been uh, a lot on Trace McSorley so far this season. He, he's had to lead a lot of the team. The defense has been struggling quite a bit. So it, it doesn't feel like Penn State is the the elite team that they were last year with Saquon Barkley or, or in general over the last couple of years. But it, it does feel like they're still dangerous. And that's that's really, you know, to this point in the season, that's pretty much all you can say about them is that we don't know much about them, but they're still Penn State. They still have a lot of talent. It's still in Happy Valley. Uh, so they really can't be overlooked, I don't think. I, I, I think that it's important to to remember that they're still Penn State. It's It's still an extremely difficult place to win a game. They're still a very talented team, just a, a young team. They're a younger version than they have been in the last couple of years. Yeah, that environment is always tough, and it's more when you have a really good Penn State team, and you talked about Appalachian State and just the way that they've started out the season. They didn't look super impressive until the fourth quarter against Illinois, but you can bet that they're going to be ready to go. And something we talk, talked about on the last episode, I'm glad that Ohio State kind of got punched in the stomach yeah. against TCU in that game and that it was not a road game, but a neutral site game where there was a little bit of juice behind the other crowd. You could really feel TCU fans getting into it and Ohio state had to answer. So I, that the atmosphere is going to be more at Penn state just cause it's probably one of the best, if not the best in the country for these big games, but at least it won't be a foreign feeling for Haskins or this offense or anybody else on the team. If, you know, they take a early stomach punch, they've at least felt that once this season. And I think that that's something that matters. Yeah. I, I think that that the, the close game against TCU was a, a really important part of the maturation process for this team. I, I think that, 
you really can't have a championship contender without you know seeing what your team does when they get punched in the stomach seeing how they respond to a team like TCU that may not actually be as good as we thought they were now after they just lost to Texas but uh, still from you know all things considered TCU is a good team and they gave OSU their best shot and Ohio State was able to respond and make that really big third quarter happen and come back and Dwayne Haskins was I, I don't think Dwayne Haskins was really at fault at all for for what had happened to that point in the game before Ohio State came back and, and took over for the rest of the game he had been playing well it was just you know the defense was struggling the the play calling wasn't ideal um, we, we've kind of let that slide because Ohio State won the game but the play calling was a little strange in that game the, the running attack wasn't wasn't really working super well but I, I think that, that was an important step for this team and that that will help them here because Penn State Penn State's probably going to punch them in the stomach again that's 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 what they do Penn State doesn't really start super well in games at least they haven't so far this season but they're they're really good late they're they're really really good at closing out games and I think that Ohio State's experience with TCU and, and being able to keep TCU away from the end zone in the fourth quarter specifically and, and hold that 12-point lead late in the game will help them here because Penn State's offense is it's strange. It's, it's unpredictable, and it's really hard to stop late in games, and I think that Ohio State's defense has, has now seen something like that and can be at least a little bit better prepared. I, I don't think that playing against TCU and Arlington – will will really prepare the younger guys on this team for what the experience in Happy Valley is like. I know Dwayne Haskins has been there before. He he was there as a a true freshman in 2016, but he didn't play in it. So I'm a little concerned about that. It's it's a really really tough place for a quarterback to play. It, it, it I mean, it feels like we're stressing it a lot, but I think that it's it's really important. It's a really important part of this game or any game when you're playing at Penn State, that it's a it's a difficult place for young guys to play. I mean, it's a difficult place for JT Barrett to play. And he was a veteran pretty much every time he went there, it felt like. It's just, you know, it's going to be, it's a tough experience. It's a tough game. And I, I do think that that TCU experience helped, but there's really no way you can prepare for that environment. And I think that Ohio State's talent will have to step up in this game for them to win. That's That's the main thing is that they have to be able to, to stick to what they know, not get rattled by the crowd or by the team or, or anything like that, and just play their game and, and not get too out of control and not let it not let it rattle them. And I don't think it will. But that that is the main thing is being able to control emotions and not get freaked out by the crowd because it's very easy to get freaked out by that crowd. How wild of a world is it that Ohio State is going into Happy Valley and the most trustworthy thing about them right now is the passing game? <laughs> <laughs> it's strange. It's really strange <laughs> because it's just like I, I don't remember the last time Ohio State was a passing team. I mean, never. Yeah, maybe true. Maybe 2006 with, with Troy Smith. I, I don't think Antonio Pittman was really a star at that point because Beanie Wells was the running back the next year. But Antonio Pittman was was decent. But it's just it is. It's a strange feeling. It's strange to know that Ohio State's probably going to come into this game, and if things get tough, they're going to pass. It it's just is weird. <laughs> How do we feel about that? Are we confident that Ohio State can exploit what Penn State does on defense? I think I am. I, I think that I'm confident in Dwayne Haskins. I, I, I think that at this point, there's really no reason for me to to doubt him, to doubt his ability. And um, having seen Penn State's defense through the first four weeks of the season, I'm not sure if they're any good, um, especially not against the pass. Their, their defensive backfield seems to be a little bit iffy at times and uh, they really struggled against Appalachian State who has a really good quarterback but I think Dwayne Haskins is is even better um, than really anyone they've faced yet and that's that's a really tough situation to put that a young defense in and I, I think that he'll be able to have a pretty good game especially if the receivers are able to get open this will be a really good test for them yeah I agree I think that this is what we talked about in the last episode this is the the chance for Ohio State's receivers to showcase that the improvement we've seen over the first four games is real and they can do it against a very tough team in conference play in a place that isn't Ohio Stadium. I'm with you on Haskins. I think that it's crazy that this is where we are. Ohio State is going to rely on the passing game 
and that is going to be what is going to win them games and high-level games. And he's just so good, and this passing game has been so good that they have to trust it, and they can't just lean on the run. And Penn State's defense, I don't think, has as many pass rushers, at least right now, as they have in the past. And we'll see how the offensive line is able to hold up. They have done a pretty good job so far. They had a couple of busts against TCU, and I think that there will be times where Haskins is forced to throw early or takes a couple of hits, and and that's fine. That's going to happen when you play other high-level competition. But we should see more explosive plays in this particular game than we've seen from Ohio State against Penn State non fourth quarter of 2017 yeah looking at the 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 penn state uh stat profile that bill Connolly does um their their sack rate is 8.1 percent so they're 34th uh they're actually surprisingly good against the the explosiveness their their passing defense has been able to to stop big plays for the most part um but i do think ohio state's going to to go into the playbook a little bit more in this game and, and open things up and try to do try to beat Penn State not just underneath like they have been for a lot of these early games, but also let Dwayne Haskins really um <laughs> to, you know, to put it best, to just kind of let it fly. I, I, I really think that um they're they're gonna try and convince him that, you know, that's what they need in this game. And I don't think it'll take much convincing because Dwayne Haskins really likes to throw the ball down the field. And if Ohio State's receivers are ready, it could be a really big day. It, it could be a really, really big passing day, like maybe bigger than we've ever seen at Ohio State before. But Penn State's defense is, I think, not as good as TCU's, but better than the other three teams that Ohio State has played pretty pretty easily. And they're not pushovers. They they will challenge this this offense. They'll challenge this offensive line. I, I don't think Ohio State will have a ton of time to set up big plays. I think if they're going to do it, they'll need their receivers to be making big plays. And I'm really interested to see what that'll look like, what these receivers will look like against a defense where, you know, against TCU, Ohio State knew that they were going to be able to throw underneath because TCU's defensive backfield was pretty strong. But the the front seven wasn't great in coverage. I don't think it's the same thing against Penn State. If there's anything about Penn State that scares me defensively, it's the linebackers. I think their linebackers are really solid. So I, I do think it'll be a test for Ohio State's downfield passing. I, I think that Dwayne Haskins will have a little time, but Penn State's defense is it's talented. It's not experienced, but it's talented, and that that spooks me <laughs> in a game like this because it, it's an unknown. You really... You really can't say what this Penn State defense will look like because we've seen a lot of these guys on this defense four times, and there's not a ton to take from those games. But it'll be, I think, the best test that Ohio State has faced yet. That's not to that's not to disrespect TCU's defense or anything. It's just this is a very tough environment, and Penn State's defense is weird. It's a really weird, talented group, and I'm excited to see if Ohio State has any different plays i'm excited to see if they've been hiding plays in their playbook for this game or if it's the same thing i I think i'm leaning towards it being more of the same because that's that's really been the uh the historical precedent set by urban meyer generally you think that they might be hiding more but they're usually not it's usually just the same thing but against a better defense and maybe a little bit less efficient because of that better defense. But I'm excited. It it should be really fun. It should be really telling about this team. I think if there's a game that'll teach us the most about Ohio State this year, it's this one. I want to see if there's another early deep shot like we saw against TCU on that Austin Mack play on, what was it, the second play of the game. Yeah, I think it was the second play. That that may be something they go to again just – as in, you know, an early statement to Penn State, like, hey, that eight in the box shit you guys have been doing against <laughs> us the last three years, that's not going to be what you want to do today. And I'm a little uncomfortable or unconfident about Ohio State's ability to get a lot of push in the run game and to consistently run the way we've seen them run in the past. But now with what Haskins in the passing game can do, they can really open that up and not have Penn State have six, seven, eight guys in the box and if they're able to have that success passing early on then I think obviously you you feel more confident in what they're able to do 
running the ball and being able to get consistent yardage and not have to throw the ball 48 times a game. Because as much as we love Dwayne Haskins, and listen, I'm fine with Ohio State just slinging the rock around, they still need to get the ball to Dobbins. Weber's still going to be involved. The run game is still going to be a very integral piece of this offense, but I don't know how much success they can have without the passing game and that intermediate deep ball stuff we've seen from them working with we we, we've talked about this before uh with you know each of the two starting running backs and Dobbins and Weber being better against specific things Weber being more of a big playback against defenses that can't really stuff him in the backfield Dobbins being more of a I can get 10 yards but that's about it against pretty much any defense with that in mind, which one do you think would be better for, for this defense? Looking this at, is a J.K. Yeah. Dobbins game, man. Yeah, I have I it written down right now that this is a showcase game for J.K. Dobbins. Penn State's going to be able to get guys in the backfield. I don't know with how much regularity, but the, those dudes are good enough to get in and, and make plays. And especially with whatever's going on with, with Weber injury-wise, I know Urban Meyer said that he's going to play. I just still don't feel confident in the way we've seen him run the past couple of weeks. And J.K. Dobbins looked great against TCU. And I think that they kind of just were meh on the run game against Tulane. There was no reason to give Dobbins 25 carries in that game. And and I think that this is going to be a game for him where he really reasserts himself. And we're all like, oh, okay, it's not just Dwayne Haskins. Like, J.K. Dobbins is – that guy's really good too. He's one of the the best running backs – in the country and I think that their best option is to get him involved whatever way they can swing passes throws in the flat whatever it may be getting him the ball early and often I think is a very good strategy and we've seen before he's able to make guys miss and able to make plays and I don't think Ohio State needs him to break five explosive plays if he's just able to get five six yards which he has been able to do in the past then you know what Keep the guys on schedule, and if he ends with 22 carries for 118 yards, that'll be a very successful J.K. Dobbins day, and that'll be a game Ohio State wins more often than not. Yeah, I think I agree. Looking at at Penn State's defense, they're 17th in stuff rate. That scares me. That scares me a lot with with Mike Weber. I I think that that's a a J.K. Dobbins special. Um, So I, I definitely agree with that and would like to see him as the the primary back i'm sure that they'll they'll use them pretty much equally because that seems to be what they do but the correct choice would be jk dobbins here i think with a little bit of mike weber as a, a spell back essentially the i think to me ohio state's offense against penn state's defense is not really the matchup that scares me in this game i think ohio state's going to be able to move the ball um when they when they have it i think they'll be able to score I'm pretty confident in Ohio State in Ohio State being able to put up 40 on this defense. Essentially, I, I I'm not too worried about it. The matchup that I am worried about, and I think that most Buckeye fans are worried about, is when Penn State's offense is on the field and Ohio State's defense has to try and stop them. How how do they do that? <laughs> I really I really don't know the answer because Penn State's offense. Even without Saquon Barkley, even without some of the really good receivers that they had last year, it still looks really good this year. Um, you know, Trace McSorley is awesome. He's extremely talented. He's very, very difficult to stop. He's he's as true a playmaker as you'll see at quarterback. Um, young receiver KJ Hamler has really, really stepped up the last couple of weeks. He's a big play machine. Miles Sanders, the running back, looks to be not quite Saquon Barkley good, but, you know, a good running back he's a good big 10 level running back this offense scares me this offense scares me a lot against ohio state's defense what do you think ohio state has to do defensively to to keep this from being uh, a big 12-esque shootout and are we kind of just destined for that it feels like i feel like we are destined for a higher scoring game even though last year's was pretty high scoring we saw some special teams plays factor into that but i I think we're going to have another high scoring game with a lot of offense but for me all of the talk has been about trace mcsorley and rightfully so he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country but i think ohio state having success in this game starts with being able to stop the run Mm -hmm. if they are able to at least quell some big plays that we saw from miles sanders last week against illinois he put the team on his back basically last week and had a really huge game 
if they're able to hold them, not even stuff them, not have a great day, just have a neutral day against what Penn State's able to do, then I think that that's, that's the key for them. They have to be able to get them off schedule, and I think that that's obvious for, for any game, but especially against Penn State. And we've seen Penn State in the past rely on explosive plays and chucking the ball up on third and long, especially the last time Ohio State was in Happy Valley. That 2016 Penn State team lived in third and long. I don't think they lived there as much this season. And Trace McSorley right now has a 53% completion percentage. And so Penn State hasn't been, I think, efficient through the air. And I I think that first, second down, that's going to be the key for Ohio State. And if they're not able to stop Miles Sanders, Ricky Slade, and Trace McSorley in the run game, then I, I think all bets are off. And that's what really worries me from what we've seen with the linebackers being out of position and just generally looking like they're, they just don't know what, yeah. what they're able to do. And even beyond that, just being able to make a tackle, being able to make a play. What's going to happen if one of these dudes is in single, j- just in open space against Miles Sanders? And that just doesn't go for the linebackers. That goes for the secondary, too. I can't say that I feel comfortable with Isaiah Pryor or anybody outside of Jordan Fuller being. 10 yards down the field and having to make a touchdown saving tackle on either Sanders Slade or Trace McSorley. And and that's what really worries me. And that's why I think there's no way in hell they're going to be able to stop this offense. Penn state is going to get theirs, but just being able to limit that damage, I think is the key for them. Yeah. Penn state's offense, I think is, um, it, it feels almost overdramatic to say that it's a nightmare <laughs> For Ohio State's defense, it's like the worst possible matchup, um, but it's real close. Uh, it's real close to the worst possible situation for Ohio State defense because they have a quarterback who can run. Trace McSorley is—he's uh, not like a Braxton Miller-level runner, but I, I would compare him to like a Baker Mayfield, even like a Johnny Manziel yeah. type. He—he he can make plays. They have a a very good workhorse back in Miles Sanders. And then they have a good spell back in Ricky Slade, who's been making a ton of big plays this year. And then you throw in the fact that they have three, at, le- at least three pretty solid receivers in Juwan Johnson, K.J. Hamler, and DeAndre Tompkins. They've, they've got some other guys, too, who get in there a little bit. And K.J. Hamler is specifically the big play guy. He has 19 targets, nine catches, and 170 yards. Uh, so really, when he catches, it's probably going to be a big play. And they they combine all that talent, they combine all those guys into an offense that's predicated almost entirely on the option. They they run so much read option, they run so much RPO stuff, and it, at this point, that that word doesn't even really seem real sometimes because of uh, the the phrase I guess doesn't really seem real because of how many times announcers have said, well that was an RPO when it was just like a regular play action. Um, yeah. But that's really what Penn State does. They they are not the the originators of that, but they are they are who made it popular in in major college football with with Joe Moorhead and Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley. They really brought the RPO to the forefront of football uh, with how one with how well they ran it. Trace McSorley is still very good at it, uh, even without his star running back, and that's what they do a lot of. They'll they'll do a lot of read option stuff. They'll do a lot of inverted veer stuff where they'll they'll want Trace McSorley to keep it up the middle and stress the linebackers rather than the defensive line. And they'll do a lot of RPO stuff, and all of that, uh, a test for linebackers. All of that is checking to see if a linebacker will overreact or make the wrong read. And that terrifies me. <laughs> that scares me a lot because these linebackers are not good at reading the play or really – football in general they're not good at football and they'll make mistakes these this linebacker group will make mistakes against this offense and when you've got a guy like kj hamler maybe he's running a slant on an rpo and a linebacker bites in on a fake that's a touchdown that's you know that's a very easy touchdown for for kj hamler and that that mismatch of Trace McSorley against these linebackers scares me a lot. It it hurt this defense a lot last year. I think it's going to hurt them again this year. It's 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 a lot. It's a lot for them to handle. You you have to have very good if not elite linebackers to 
slow down if anything stop this this offense and the way that this offense runs and I don't think Ohio State even has decent linebackers they're I don't know any way that they could stop any facet of that RPO or a read option unless it's just that the defensive line does what it did in the fourth quarter last year and provides so much pressure that Trace McSorley can't do anything. And I, I don't see that happening all game. So I'm I'm very, very scared of that matchup. That's why, to me, the defensive line controlling the run game and the line is going to determine whether Ohio State wins yeah. or not. And Nick Bosa being out is obviously – a massive blow. You don't have arguably the best player in college football in this game. Who's a game changer really wrecked TCU when he was in there for that first portion of that game. But I, it, it's put up or shut up time for a lot of guys on the defensive line, because this yeah. is their game to make a move. We know what Draymond Jones is capable of. And much like we saw from Tulane and even TCU, and he was just able to beat it a lot of, that focus from Penn State's offensive line, I think, is going to be neutralizing Draymond Jones and having everybody else beat them. And I think I was a little bit too effusive of my praise of Jonathan Cooper after the TCU game. He was good. I don't think he was as good as I said he was. But he needs to have a big game. And this put up a shut-up time for Chase Young, man. He's been mm -hmm. fine. He's been good. But for everything that we talked about him, it's time for him to make some big-time plays. I can't think of... The last time I saw him in a big game, really make a game-changing play. So th this is this is his game. If he wants to be in that discussion of everybody talking about him being a future top five draft pick, there needs to be some production behind that in crucial moments when Ohio State needs it. And this is the game, and I think that that's going to determine whether Ohio State wins or not. It looks like Robert Landers is healthy. He's going to play. He can definitely help them get Penn State off of schedule with some of the plays we've seen him make in the backfield. And maybe we'll see guys like Tyreek Smith, Tyler Friday, maybe. There's going to be guys off that second string that are going to rotate in with what how fast Penn State likes to go and are going to need to make plays. I don't know if some of them can or not, but that's going to be the position they're going to be put in. And if any of them are able to, it's just going to free up so much more for Draymond Jones to get in the backfield and to wreak havoc like he usually does. Yeah, I, I will say we won't talk about the linebackers for too long because I, I think everybody knows how that would go. But Ohio State's defense, when it comes to run stuffs, uh, Nick Bosa had six, so that's a big loss in this game. Not not having him there is is big. Uh, Draymond Jones has six, so he will be crucial in this game. He'll he'll be, I think, if they're gonna stop Miles Sanders when he runs inside, it'll be because of Draymond Jones and Bob Landers. They they really have to have a big game. Looking at the linebackers' run stuffs, uh, which is what they'll need to be able to do in this game, Pete Warner. And uh, Malik Harrison and Tuff Moreland, three starters, combine this year for 2.5 run stuffs, which is fewer than Justin Hilliard has. He has three, which is fewer than Dante Booker has. He has three, and it's tied with both Keandre Jones and Baron Browning. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't understand this game. I don't know. I don't know if Justin Hilliard and Dante Booker and Baron Browning aren't practicing well or something. That's what it seems like. That's yeah. kind of what Alex Grinch hinted at is that he said the quote loosely was the guys that prepare well on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are the ones that are going to go in there and yeah. make plays, which is fine. I think that that's usually how it works. But if Ohio State's top three linebackers have been preparing well, it's just in practice right now because they haven't even been making plays <laughs> in the game. And I think at a, at a certain point, you just have to – follow that old cliche and just be like listen he's just a gamer and ohio yeah. state seems like they have three guys at linebackers who are just gamers and need to play we'll see what the linebacker rotation looks like it's been pretty tight so far when at least in terms of like close game status we've seen a lot of hilliard and booker win the game and keandre jones when the games have been comfortably in ohio state's favor but they haven't been as willing to rotate players as I think we all thought they would be coming into the season with some of the assumed depth that we thought they were. 
that that's worrying. That is absolutely worrying. This is a podcast where we do nothing but worry about Ohio State's linebackers. And I, <laughs> I, I think that that's, that's the key for this defense right now because we are going to see Penn State take a lot of deep shots, I think, and test Ohio State's safeties and corners. And I think that Penn State's going to win a few of those battles. We saw TCU do it. We saw Tulane win a couple down the field. And that's just going to happen when you're playing another really good team that has – comparable talent that's whatever but if they're getting gashed in the run game that's just something where it's like this has been a problem all season long to start the year and if it happens i I don't even know if i'm gonna be mad because this is just what (laughs) it is like at this this point that's that's why it was hard to get mad at the iowa game last year because it was like everything that we've been talking about for the last two years it's all happening and Mm -hmm. they've had these problems all season and dating back to last year with the linebackers. And if it happens again on Saturday, it's just like you're doing it to yourself. I, there's no reason to be bad about yeah. it. This is just what's happening over and over and over again. So that's that. That's the biggest worry of the game. Yeah, uh, I, I think that my official stance is uh, free Justin Hilliard and Dante Booker because they are much better fits for this game than anybody else that they have a linebacker. Those guys are... The I, I think that they're not the great athletes that some of the guys in front of them are, but they're smart. They really won't get burnt. They're they're not going to make huge plays, but they're not going to get burnt, and that's that's what you need in this game. And I'd like to see them. I don't think we will. Another another thing here. This is kind of a smaller thing, but just looking through these um, these stat profiles, which people should go check out if they haven't yet. The Bill Connolly stat profiles. Uh, Penn State is third in average field goal or average field position that 36.5 so that's that's a that's a serious thing that's a real thing that i think ohio state will will be able to offset a little bit this in this game because um ohio state's punting has been really good uh it feels weird to be talking about special teams and punting uh like 30 seconds after we were getting mad about linebackers but the punting has been good they've been very good on kickoff which is surprising because they were awful last year but i think that that could actually make a difference putting penn state in more difficult situations putting them back closer to the 20 and the 25 rather than close to the 40 which is where they've been starting for for most drives this season and i I think that that could be uh, an underrated part of what might cause a win here is that Ohio State can put Penn State in situations that their first four opponents really couldn't. So that's something to watch for. It's you know it's a small thing. It's it's really it's the kind of thing that adds up over time and you don't really notice it at the time. But that's something that I think could play a big part in this game is if Ohio State can can put Penn State back in their own territory and force that offense to to make drives rather than just have big plays, that, that'll be key. I, I think that that's kind of the key to slowing down this offense is putting them in bad situations to start with and then giving your defense a better shot than putting the defense at like the 40 or the 50 because that's a very tough situation for them to be in. Yeah, and on the special teams front, I don't know how that can't be one of the biggest things to talk about in this game just based off of what's happened the past two years and I know I said that just having a neutral game from the linebackers would be key having a neutral game from special teams yeah don't fumble any punts would be a tremendous (laughs) tremendous improvement and I know that they had the big block punt last year which set them up in the fourth quarter to start that rally and they blocked a kick to start the game in 2016 but Ohio State has been killed in this game the last two years on special teams. We know what happened to start the game last year, and we sure as hell know what happened in 2016. So if, if they get a 50-50 game from special teams, I think that that is something that can definitely put them over the top. And we've seen how good Drew Chrisman is, and as much as the numbers, at least through four games, say that Penn State has been more leaning on being efficient and that success rate I still think at heart they want to be the big play team and we'll see that manifest itself as the season goes on and just being able to make them drive 80 yards instead of giving them the ball on the 40 is going to be crucial in this game so special teams is definitely something that can can flip this one and this is one where like yeah just just fair catch that punt baby yeah don't make any moves (laughs) this is a KJ Hill 
four fair catch type of game. Yeah, that's fine. Just, you know, this offense, this Ohio State offense is very good. I think they can get yards regardless of where they are. There's really no reason to to do anything dumb. I know we love Demario McCall on this podcast. This might not be the game for him. <laughs> no, this is Demario. Sit this one out, my yeah, man. Yeah, Demario, we love you very much. You can, um, you will return soon. Maybe not this game. Penn State, when it comes to to special teams, when it comes to to kickoff and punt returns, they're uh, they're a little scary. Looking at these guys, looking at their stats. Uh, DeAndre Tompkins is their primary punt returner. It looks like he has eight returns. He's averaging nearly 20 yards a return. Um, that's on just three actual returns. It looks like he's, he's fair caught five of the, the eight that he was back for, but that's, those are big numbers. Um, he, he housed one, which is probably why those numbers are, uh, increased, but that's, that's something that Ohio state needs to, to look at a little bit. Their, their punting has been really good this year, but they need to watch out for him because he's a very good playmaker. And then on kick return, K.J. Hamler is a guy who you cannot let get going. We, we saw that in the Appalachian State game. He was actually a huge part of why they won that game was a, a late kickoff return that he, he took back to, like, the 50. <laughs> and he sat in the end zone for a couple seconds before he did it because he, he didn't know if he was actually going to return it or not. And um, he ended up doing it, and he's he's tough to tackle. He's He's quick. He's... You know, he makes really good moves. He's fast just in general. He has great straight line speed. He's a guy who Ohio State needs to contain and not let him get to the outside of their very strange half-field coverage that they do on the kickoff returns because I, I think that they there was a, a situation in the Tulane game where someone broke contain. If I'm remembering correctly, it might have been on the first kickoff of the game uh, where their kick returner broke contain a little bit, got to the outside, and there was a, there was a pretty decent game. Ohio State can't do that against KJ Hamler because he'll he'll score a touchdown. He's very fast, so I, I think I agree with you. Just a neutral game. Just don't make any dumb mistakes. You don't need to you don't need to make any big plays on punt return or kick return. Just do the normal thing and don't fumble the ball or point at it and let it go down to the two yard line and don't let any of Penn State's very fast guys beat you. Uh, that's that's really the key here. Leave it to Leave it to the offense to make plays. Leave it to the defense to try and survive for long enough that the offense can make more plays than Penn State's offense does. And there, there's no reason to give Penn State an extra advantage by doing something dumb on special teams. That's that's really what it comes down to. I'm looking at the box score from 2016. Oh, no. Two carries for <laughs> Curtis Samuel. <laughs> X on that box. Oh, all right, we've we've done this for 40 minutes. What what are you feeling for this one? What do you think is going to happen? What do you think changes the game, and what's your prediction? I, I think that, that really what we talked about with the, the defense trying to stop Penn State's offense is going to be key here. I, I don't know if they have the personnel to do it in the the three guys in the middle of the field. I think the back four will probably be fine. I think the line will probably be fine. But I'm worried about those linebackers, so I do think Penn State will be able to put up some points. I think we know Ohio State's going to be able to put up some points, so I, I expect a pretty high-scoring affair. I think it's going to be close for pretty much the whole game. I have Ohio State winning 45-42. I, I think it's going to be just a race, to, a race to 40, and whoever gets there first is probably going to win. I think Ohio State wins on a late field goal. Wow, yeah. I like it. I agree with you, and everything in this game – points to a high scoring crazy ass game it should be fun yeah one or two plays one or two turnovers something extremely stupid on special teams flips the game and the the big worry like we've said over and over and over again is the defense and how that linebacker and secondary group is going to be able to tackle in space limit big plays and just i i think yeah make plays at all just like general make plays make tackles turn what would be 12-yard Penn State gains into four-yard Penn State games. So that's the key on defense. I don't even think they have to hold them. They Penn State can gain 350, 400 yards in this one, and I'm, I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. As long as it's not like 480, 500, I think that they're okay. Penn State's really good on offense, and it's fine. Offensively, it just all comes down to Haskins. If he has a day even similar to what he's had the past couple of weeks and taking care of the ball, which is something I don't think we've given him enough credit for 
because we just focus on the talent. But he is really, really smart with his decision-making and where he puts the ball. And that's something you don't see a lot from a quarterback as young as he is. If he's able to have that type of game, I think that'll be really calming for not just the offense, but the team in general. And then my key to this game on offense is J.K. Dobbins. They have to focus on giving him the ball, even when the run isn't working. He can make plays happen by himself. He put his stamp on the end of that TCU game and, and kind of put that team in the dirt and to the point where TCU was just like, you know what? We're good here. No, no more. We will tap out respectfully, sir. Like <laughs> we've given this our best shot and we cannot stop this man. And, and I think that he's the key to this. And, and I don't want to see any 50, 50 bullshit between him and Mike Weber, especially because Weber doesn't look like he's even close to a hundred percent right now. I want to see this be JK Dobbins game where he takes over and they give him those reins and I think it will be and ultimately that's the difference for me and I think it'll be super high scoring and Ohio State tacks on a late field goal to put it out of reach and it's 40 to 30 and it's closer than the score would indicate I like that what are you looking for for the rest of this this weekend in college football what games are you looking forward to I'm not saying Clemson is going (laughs) to lose Patrick I'm not saying they're going to lose to Syracuse at home. I'm just saying that they did lose to NC State at home, right? Was that last year? No, they lost to Syracuse last year. They lost at Syracuse. Uh, That's right. They almost lost to NC State last year at home, and they did lose to Pitt two years ago at home. I'm just saying it's happened. I'm not going to pick it. (laughs) You have the added thing of Kelly Bryant transferring today. And I think that that's something that is going to affect them as we go on throughout the season. I'm not letting this one die, man. My plan is coming (laughs) to fruition. I like Trevor Lawrence a lot, and I think he's really great. But to go through what they are going to go through ultimately in the ACC championship game and probably the playoff with a true freshman quarterback, no matter how good you are, that is something that is going to be quite the challenge and Clemson's quarterback depth right now is very very tenuous I know we're worried about Tate Martell but at least they have Tate Martell and not what Clemson has right now so keeping an eye on that one and Syracuse has been pretty fun with what they've been able to do offensively Uh, West Virginia Texas Tech is probably Mm -hmm. the game that I'm most excited for I still don't know how good West Virginia is I watched the Kansas State game and they pulled away just by proxy of Kansas State looking like they're pretty terrible. Yeah, Kansas State stinks. <laughs> but Texas Tech, man, I'm I'm always a Texas Tech apologist. And to see them play the way they are right now is really fun. And this is this is a chance for them to kind of make their mark. But this is also a game where Texas Tech could come out and get beat like 40 to 17. And the players have a mutiny. So... <laughs> Who knows? That's the fun of it. That's the Big 12. That's Texas Tech. So that that's probably the game I'm most excited for. Florida State, Louisville, too, just because oh, it's going to be so terrible. God. <laughs> that's yeah. miserable. Yeah, right? That's a miserable that's the, football That's game. the reaction you want to elicit. Yeah, man, that's rough. Um, Kelly Bryant, Auburn quarterback. How's that feel? I'm, I'm fine with it. I didn't think he was good in the first place. Yeah. So if I were – I think that that would just have – potential where everybody talks about it at the start of the season and then auburn goes like eight and four that's That's like a natural situation yeah Yeah, that's an everett golson situation at florida state yeah i i can see that 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 makes a little sense army buffalo i think at 12 will be very interesting to me buffalo like shit out of rutgers yeah yeah buffalo throttled rutgers (laughs) i mean buffalo's legitimately good I, i think army's pretty good too Buffalo's probably the Mac favorite at this point. I, I think that that game could be pretty fun in a noon slate that, that has three or four interesting games. Texas Tech, West Virginia, like you said, should be fun. Um, I wish the Clemson game was at Syracuse. I think it would be more interesting then, but still probably something to keep an eye on. At least um, don't watch Indiana Rutgers. That's football hell. The 330 slot, there's not a ton. Pittsburgh at UCF, if you want to see Pittsburgh die. Tennessee, Georgia. Oh, God. That's no, cruel. That's <laughs> prayers prayers for Tennessee, who I think plays 
after this game they play Auburn oh. next week and then they might have a bye and then they play oh. Alabama. So these these are their three games, <laughs> Georgia, Auburn, Alabama. So RIP for them or it's it's LSU. It's it's one oh. of those in any, Alabama. Any so bad. Yeah, prayers up for Jeremy Pruitt. Michigan Northwestern's mm-hmm. going to be a beating. Northwestern is without their running back now. He just retired, Jeremy Larkin. My favorite thing about this game is something is going to happen between Jim Harbaugh and Pat Fitzgerald. <laughs> They're going to kiss. And it's probably going <laughs> to Pat Fitzgerald's going to get super duper upset about something. We saw Michigan. Did you see what they did at the end of the first half? I saw they last threw a week bomb. They were up, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. They, they were up 39 nothing, and they threw deep, which like that rocks. I can super respect. That's <laughs> that is the best thing Jim Harbaugh's done at Michigan so far. I think something like that is going to happen. We're going to have what's your deal too, but it's going to be with Jim Harbaugh and Pat Fitzgerald instead of Pete. Pete Carroll, something's gonna happen in, yeah. in between the coaches. Yeah, here. that would be very fun. Um, the six o'clock slate, we got Florida, Mississippi State. That one's kind of interesting. Uh, I don't think Florida's any good, but Mississippi State just got crushed by Kentucky, and Dan Mullen obviously has the connection there. So that one might be kind of a good transition game from the the three thirty games into the night slate. Boise State, Wyoming. I don't think Wyoming's any good this year, but Boise State's back for bye week after losing to Oklahoma State. Iowa State, TCU, secretly decent. TCU is is kind of in a weird place right now. I think Iowa State's defense is really good. Their offense is awful. Uh, speaking of, of games that are in kind of a weird place, Virginia Tech has to go to Duke. Duke is, I think, still without their starting quarterback and a, a star corner who I think both of them might be out for the year. But Virginia Tech just lost to ODU. So that one that one might get a little weird and then um that that'll take us into the the night slate do do any of those games really interest you at all any of those kind of tweener weird games carolina and kentucky's fun Mm -hmm. if only to see kentucky continue their quest to win the sec east and challenge georgia (laughs) and face alabama in the sec title game stanford notre dame is i think the big one that opposes ohio state That, that should be a good game that should be a fun game I still don't think Notre Dame is is very good. I I think we saw the best version of Notre Dame against Michigan, and they really haven't lived up to that. You're not on the Ian book train? I am not on the Ian book train. (laughs) That is a book I am not reading. I will put that one down and over in the corner. I'll drop that one off at Goodwill. Stanford, though, I think is is a little bit of a mystery because Oregon, I went back and watched that game because I was just at work listening to it on my headphones when it happened, and I was like, oh, Stanford – like came back they looked pretty good and i think they did and they deserve credit but oregon also deserves yeah. much, oregon was, much of the blame oregon was very very good for a half of that game and then they just yeah. fell apart <laughs> so i i'm interested to see if stanford is as good as they played in that second half because they looked super bad in the first half and bryce love still has really yet to get going i don't know if as of right now stanford their offensive line hasn't played the way we've seen them play in the past where they're just able to push people around. But KJ Costello's intriguing and Stanford's receivers are all like 6'12". So I I don't know. They can just throw the ball up and and I think that they'll be able to have success against Notre Dame. But if they win that game, I think it's apparent that Stanford is, you know, on a legitimate playoff push. And if they beat Washington are going to be the Pac-12's representative for for playoff inclusion i guess yeah i i'm interested to see what notre dame's defense looks like under a, a new defensive coordinator um stanford's offense is tricky they're i don't think that they're particularly bait but like you mentioned those tall wide receivers are really hard to stop um i've heard a lot from notre dame fans about how they have new and improved safety play this year so that this will be a good test for that I'm really not sure what to think about Stanford. I, I think they might just be the de facto playoff team from the the Pac-12 because I'm not sold on Washington. Uh, Washington actually plays an hour after those 7:30 games, which I think are going to be pretty good. They play BYU. BYU is good. I think BYU is just a good football team this year. Their defense is is really tough. Their offense isn't very good, um, but that that should be an interesting game. That that's that's kind of a fun. Not really a Pac-12 after dark game, but but getting towards that Pac-12 after dark area. Uh, Ole Miss at LSU at 9:15 for some reason. Uh, I'm not sure why they're playing so so late, but any late game at LSU is worth watching. That that stadium is a 
a delight for night games. Pac-12 after dark games, Oregon State at Arizona State. Do not watch that game. I have to watch that game because I have adopted the Herm beat. Do not watch that game if you're just a regular person. That's bad. That's bad football. Oregon at Cal. Cal is, I think, undefeated, which is weird. Oregon seems to be pretty fun. Their defense looked really good against Stanford until it didn't. Toledo at Fresno State, secretly very, very good game. Two very good That's G5 a fun game teams. I'm looking yeah. forward to. And then USC at Arizona, much more fun in theory. <laughs> yeah, I don't want a piece of that game. In the offseason, it looked like it was going to be really great. Yeah. But after I watched Arizona for a half. They're bad. And They're bad. I was like, I'm I'm good. Yeah. No, thank you. I'm, I'm out of here. I was always a Kevin Sumlin fan. But I'm I'm out on that yeah. one. I have left you at the altar, Kevin Sumlin. <laughs> uh, BYU Washington. If Washington loses, can we just can we eradicate Jake Browning? Is he officially <laughs> out of here? Washington, if they lose, may just be like, eh, we'll just not put him in any of our record books. We'll forget yeah. that the Jake Brown, the Jake Browning era was just good enough. It was it was the uh, what's what's the story about the porridge being just right, just just fine. Like if Washington loses another game and they go nine and three. That's the Washington era. The porridge was just right. The Jake Browning story. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think that they actually do have a backup for him this year. But next year, former Georgia starter Jacob Eason yeah, can take Eason. over. So, And his at name on Twitter is SkinnyQB10, which I love. That's that's a good at name. So uh, Jacob Eason, welcome to the resistance, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, Jake Browning is not... Not very good. I don't know what he's going to do against that defense. I don't think it'll be anything particularly um, exciting. They'll probably win by four, which seems to just be their their go-to move. But I, I guess watch that if you don't have anything else to watch. Yeah, there's. I think that that kind of there's really nothing else on this slate. I think that the potential for something crazy happening is lower than it was last week. But who knows? Something. Mm-hmm might happen what what hold, hold on here i got somebody walking into the room texas is back baby we're gonna do it we're winning titles under Herman. get out of here mac get out of here we're back baby i'm riding in all right mac we'll see you later man okay love that guy <laughs> love love that man mac we'll we'll catch up in a second buddy yeah baby um <laughs> Is that is that it? Is there anything else you're looking forward to? Um, no. Ohio State, Penn State will be fun. We talked about that. Um, you know that that's I think the best of the 7:30 games. Watch that with Stanford, Notre Dame on a second screen. Keep an eye on South Carolina, Kentucky. Night slate. Watch Oregon at Cal. Watch Toledo at Fresno State. Don't let USC and Arizona trick you. Ole Miss LSU might be kind of weird. I, I think LSU is going to win that game because Ole Miss might stink, but their offense should be good I'm, I'm less sure of that now because they they've had a couple of really strange games recently but lsu's defense is fun their offense is trash that belongs in the garbage but they're i don't know they're a pretty good team i think they're a top 10 team right now so watch that to see if anything dumb happens it, it's a it's a fun slate it's a much better slate than last week and last week was still pretty fun to watch so it's you know it's college football we get what 14 of these weeks a season and then postseason and, and some conference championship stuff so every week is worth watching i think this is one of the better weeks so uh i'm excited it, it should be fun every week is beautiful in its own way and look at us both picking ohio state to win over penn state i still think this team is going to find a way to lose Purdue. one game this season <laughs> just because of the defense i might go with indiana oh, next God. week on the road that might <laughs> Ooh, be a stupid a game slot but yeah. yeah, for as negative as we can be at times or as cynical and pessimistic, I thought we were both going to pick Ohio State to lose this game. We didn't talk beforehand, but I think we I feel more confident than I did a couple days ago that Ohio State will be able to win, but it's going to be a really close game and I wouldn't be surprised at all if Penn State wins. Yeah. It should be fun. I'm excited to see what this Buckeye team actually is because I don't think we really know yet. Well, we will find out on Saturday. It's going to be on on ABC check it out and for all of the coverage leading up to saturday's big showdown visit landgrantholyland.com and follow us on twitter at landgrant33 you can follow patrick and i on twitter at patrick underscore mayhorn and i am at dubsco you can also follow the show account which i will be tweeting from as a secret burner while i work at holy land pod i might bleep that part out just in case anybody from work is listening to this don't listen to the podcast hello kyler murray <laughs> Hello, Kyler Murray, unless it's you. You can listen. <laughs> and uh, 
Follow the show. Subscribe to the show. Go on to Apple Podcasts. Search Hangout in the Holy Land. We've gotten some more listenership. I don't know from where. I don't know why. I don't know why you're checking out this out. I'm, I don't know why anybody's listening to this uh, an hour and two minutes in. Maybe it's because we're an Ohio State podcast that doesn't do interviews with uh, Reddit lawyers. We are the only Ohio be, State podcast. That might, be, that might be the case. But thank you for listening. We appreciate the support. Leave us a review. Let us know what we can do to make the show better. We're also on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash LandGrantHolyLand. We will be back later on this week after the Penn State game, hopefully talking about an Ohio State win. But even if they don't, we'll be back breaking down the game and giving you a recap. But until then, for Patrick Mayhorn, I'm Colton Denning, and this is the Hangout in Holy Land.